Turning your Bibles, please, this morning to the book of Genesis, the 39th chapter, as we continue our series, God Meant It for Good, The Life of Joseph. And we'll begin our reading there today in Genesis chapter 39 at verse 1. Genesis chapter 39, we'll begin reading at verse 1 and read through verse 6. The Bible says in Genesis chapter 39, beginning at verse 1, And Joseph was brought down to Egypt, and Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh, captain of the guard, an Egyptian, bought him of the hands of the Ishmaelites, which had brought him down thither. And the Lord was with Joseph, and he was a prosperous man, and he was in the house of his master, the Egyptian. And his master saw that the Lord was with him. And that the Lord made all that he did to prosper in his hand. And Joseph found grace in his sight and he served him and he made him overseer over his house and all that he had, he put into his hand. And it came to pass from the time that he made him overseer in his house and over all that he had, that the Lord blessed the Egyptians house for Joseph's sake. And the blessing of the Lord was upon all that he had in the house and in the field. And he left all that he had in Joseph's hand, and he knew not aught he had, save the bread which he did eat. And Joseph was a goodly person and well favored. We know God will add the blessing to the reading of his word. Let's ask his help as we study it together. Father, thank you for your amazing grace, amazing love. Lord, thank you for reaching down. And saving us. Thank you for the Lord Jesus, the cross of Calvary, the empty tomb. Father, I pray that you'll quiet our hearts now. Lord, use this time in your word to transform us, to make us more like the Lord Jesus. Father, I pray for each one who's listening, that you might just meet the need of their heart. Father, I pray that you remove any hindrances, any distractions. May the Holy Spirit truly have his will accomplished in this service. And we praise you in advance. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Did you ever hear about the guy who fell in love with the opera singer? He hardly knew her since his only view of the singer was through binoculars from the third balcony. But this fellow was convinced that he could live happily ever after married to a voice like that. Now, understand, he scarcely noticed that she was considerably older than he was, nor did he care that she walked with a limp. Her mezzo soprano voice would take them through whatever life would throw at them. Well, after a whirlwind romance and a hurry up ceremony, they were off on their honeymoon together and she began to prepare for their first night together. And as this new husband watched, his chin dropped to his chest. She popped out her glass eye and plopped it in the container on the nightstand. She pulled off her wig, ripped off her false eyelashes, yanked out her dentures, unstrapped her artificial leg and smiled at him as she slipped off her glasses that as she did reveal her hearing aid. 
This new husband, stunned and horrified, gasped, For goodness sake, woman, sing, sing, sing! I want to submit to you this morning that that fellow didn't know exactly what he was getting himself into when he said, I do. But he learned very quickly. And last week, I believe that we saw Joseph when he said, yes, sir, to his father's command to go check on his brothers who were out keeping the flocks. He did not know what he was getting himself into. He did not know that he was stepping right into a hornet's nest, a hornet's nest of hatred and murder that would eventually lead him to become a slave and eventually end up in the land of Egypt. Today, we're going to see uh, how Joseph handles all this, how he responds to his treatment. And as Ed Heinsohn observed, the real test, listen, the real test of human character comes when the bottom falls out of our lives. That's when our faith in God is challenged. Can I still trust after everything that has happened to me? If he really loves me, how could he let this happen? And living for him is just not paying off. Those are some of the questions that could come during those times. And all of us face those questions at times, don't we? Will we trust God when the bottom falls out of our lives? What will our attitude be during those hours of adversity? I understand that during World War II, Dr. Viktor Frankl was imprisoned by the Nazis because he was a Jew. His wife, his children and parents were all killed in the Holocaust. And at one point, the prison guards even went so far as to cut off his wedding ring right off of his finger. And Frankl said to himself, and I quote, you can take away my wife and children. You can strip me of my clothes and my freedom. But there is one thing no person can ever take away from me, and that is my freedom to choose. How I will react to what happens to me. They may have taken away his wife and his children and his parents and everything else. But he said, I have the freedom to choose how I will react, how I will respond to that. And Joseph made a choice as well. And I want to consider that together today, beloved. Remember, just a short time ago, Joseph was strolling along in his coat of many colors. He was the favorite son of his father, Jacob. But now things have changed and they've drastically changed. Now, as you read this, I want you to try to put yourself in Joseph's sandals. Remember now, he's 17 years old here, 18 at the most. Here's what it says. And Joseph was brought down to Egypt and Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh, captain of the guard, an Egyptian Bought him of the hands of the Ishmaelites, which had brought him down thither. He came into Egypt. Remember, beloved, he wasn't on his senior trip having fun. He came into Egypt as a slave, a piece of property that had been purchased for 20 pieces of silver. And we can only imagine what the trip itself had been like to get there. But now that he's there, what happens next? He's put on the auction block and he's sold again. He's sold to a man named Potiphar. Now, today's message is bought by Potiphar. That's today's sermon. Next week, we'll say he's sought by Potiphar's wife. But today he's bought by Potiphar. What do we know about Potiphar? 
Well, we notice several things right off the bat as we look at verse one. Let's think about his name for a moment. The commentators, Jameson, Foster and Brown says Potiphar signifies one devoted to the sun, not S-O-N, but S-U-N. The local deity of On or Heliopolis. Lockyer said it means who is of the sun, S-U-N. Or I thought this was interesting. Or it also means a fat bull. But the idea here is he was named after an idol. He was named after an idol and the Egyptians being idol worshipers. It says, likewise, that he was an officer of Pharaoh. This was a somebody for sure. This was not your common laborer, beloved. This was an officer of Pharaoh himself. It says he was the captain of the guard. What does that mean? Well, many believe that what's talked about here and what's meant here is that he was Pharaoh's bodyguard. And also he was the chief. Of the executioners. Think about that job for a moment. He was in charge of putting to death those who would be the enemy of Pharaoh. So he was Pharaoh's bodyguard. He was the chief of the executioners. (laughs) It says he was an Egyptian. Think about that for a moment. Joseph was encountering a different land. A different language. A different culture. And different customs. That he never experienced in his life. Probably could not even understand what was being said as he's being sold and hauled off. It's obvious as well, beloved, that he was a wealthy man. He had the means, he had the wherewithal, he had the money to buy and own slaves. All in all, when you take all that together, you see something very clear. Potiphar was not a man to mess with. (laughs) He was not a man to toy around with. And this is the man that now owns Joseph. I mean, I think this guy would have made your toughest teacher or your toughest coach look like a wimp. Pharaoh's bodyguard, the chief of the executioners. You wouldn't mess with him. And Potiphar buys Joseph for how much we're not told. But I'll say this, whatever he paid, he got a bargain. Whatever he paid, he got a bargain. Now, I want you to catch the next phrase very, very carefully in verse two. It says very plainly, and the Lord was with Joseph, the Lord was with Joseph, and I want you to mark that down and keep that in your mind. That is a key to Joseph's life. It summarizes his life. It's used four times in this chapter alone. Verse two, the Lord was with Joseph. Verse three, the Lord was with him. Verse 21, if you drop down to there, but the Lord was with Joseph. And then it says in verse 23, the Lord was with him. Regardless of the circumstances, regardless of the difficulties, regardless of the challenges, the heartaches, the sorrow, the Lord was with Joseph. And that made all the difference in the world. Don't miss that. But what I want to point out this morning is this. Just like Viktor Frankl there with the Nazis, Joseph had to make a decision of how he was going to respond to those who were attacking him. To what was happening to him. As best you can today. Put yourself in Joseph's sandals. If he even had any. He's a slave. Retrace his steps just a little bit. He went from being the favored son. Of a loving father. Went on an errand to his brothers. To check on their welfare. And the welfare of the flocks. Stripped of his coat. 
thrown in a pit, sold into slavery, taken into a strange land, sold again to Potiphar. His freedom was gone. His special coat was gone. His dreams. What about them? What choice will he make? Let's look at it together. Notice, first of all, beloved, what he didn't choose. I think it's important to start here. What he didn't choose. I find, first of all, he didn't choose conformity. He didn't choose conformity. What's the old saying? I'll start it and you finish it. When you're in Rome, do as the Romans do. The idea is don't be different. Just blend in, conform, become a part of all that's going on around you. Don't have any convictions. Don't stand for anything. Just blend in and conform. Well, I guess the idea would be if you're in Egypt, do as the Egyptians do, right? But not Joseph. He was different. He was different. The Lord was with him. In fact, in verse nine, it says there is none greater in this house than I. Neither have they kept back anything from me but thee because thou art his wife. How then can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? His focus was upon the Lord during this time. He didn't choose conformity. Likewise, he didn't choose bitterness and hatred. He did not choose bitterness and hatred. Hatred. Joseph could have spent all of his time in Egypt, all of his energy Growing bitter and festering hatred and anger against his brothers and the Egyptians and Potiphar and the Ishmaelites. And he could have spent all of his time and energy in doing that. But he didn't. He also didn't choose revenge. Just wait one day, I will get them back. One day they will pay. In the meantime, I'll take out my vengeance, my revenge, my bitterness, my hatred on anybody that I can. Not Joseph. He didn't choose conformity. He didn't choose bitterness and hatred. He didn't choose revenge. He also didn't choose self-pity. I don't find that here. Poor me. He, He didn't mope around acting like Eeyore on Winnie the Pooh. You can tell I'm a father of preschoolers, can't you? He he didn't walk around singing, nobody loves me, everybody hates me, think I'll go and eat worms. Long ones, short ones, fat ones, thin ones, see how they wiggle and squirm. He didn't walk around singing that and and moping and acting that way. He did not choose self-pity. That's not to say that he didn't hurt. You know he did. It's not to say he didn't have sorrow. Sure he did. It's not to say he didn't agonize. Sure he did. He's human. But he did not choose to wallow in self-pity. He did not make that his life goal. To pity himself. He didn't choose that. And likewise, he didn't play the victim. He didn't play the victim. Now, he was a victim. No doubt about it. He was done dirty by his brothers. But he didn't take on that role of victim for his life. He didn't say, well, I can't change my circumstances and things are never going to get any better. I didn't choose this in life. but This is all there is, I guess. Poor me. I'm just a victim. Those are the things he did not choose. Now that we have those, I want to talk to you about what he did choose. What he did choose. And the very first thing I want to point out is he chose to trust God. He chose to trust God. You say, preacher, how do you know that? I think it's blatantly obvious. We've mentioned already verse nine. Joseph's attention was not upon fulfilling his own pleasure and his lust. 
He says to Potiphar's wife, and we'll study this further next week. He said, what? How can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? The scripture says repeatedly, the Lord was with Joseph. And it was evident. It was obvious. Look at verse three. And his master, that would be Potiphar. And his master saw that the Lord was with him. And that the Lord made all that he did to prosper in his hand. Now, exactly when Joseph made this choice, I'm not for certain. I don't know if he made this choice as he was maybe being led along with the Ishmaelites on his way to Egypt. I don't know if he made this choice when he was standing on the auction block being sold to Potiphar. I don't know if it was a few days or maybe a short time after he belonged to Potiphar. But somewhere along the way, Joseph made the choice that he was going to trust God. Yes, the circumstances were bad. They were horrible. But Joseph knew that his God was good. Remember, beloved, his God was faithful. Remember his heritage. He's the grandson and son of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob. Perhaps he recalled the stories of God's faithfulness to Abraham, to Isaac and to Jacob. Perhaps he said several times he reminded himself, God is good all the time, all the time. God is good. And, you know, we know he didn't have it to read in the New Testament like we have, but he was living out Romans eight twenty eight. And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. The Lord was with him. It was evident to those who looked at him. And I believe that Joseph knew that. And he held on to that truth every day, day in and day out. Difficulty come all along the way. He said, the Lord is with me. He chose to trust God. He also chose to grow. What do you mean by that preacher? Well, think about it. Suppose we take you today. We drop you off at a strange land where you don't know even one word of the language. What's going to happen? You're going to grow or you're going to die. Say, what do you mean? You better learn the language. You better learn the language. While we don't find all this written out here in black and white, we understand that in order for Joseph to become the overseer and the manager of Potiphar's estate, he had to learn some things. He had to learn the language. He had to learn the financial system and the, the, the economic system. He had to learn the business end of things. He had much to learn, and Joseph did learn it. He didn't sit around moping or refusing to learn and grow. He expanded and became, as the scripture says, prosperous. Look at verse 2. And the Lord was with Joseph, and he was prosperous. He was a prosperous man. And he was in the house of his master, the Egyptian. And his master saw the Lord was with him. And that the Lord made all that he did to prosper in his hand. Now, think about that. Usually those two words don't go together, do they? Prosperous slave. Think about that. Prosperous slave. Now, we know obviously it does not mean that Joseph himself became wealthy as a slave. He was a slave. He was property. What does it mean then? It means he was successful. It seemed that whatever he touched turned to gold. His project succeeded. Whatever he was put in charge of bloomed and prospered. Why? Because the Lord was with him. That is the key. That is the ultimate reason. 
If you leave with nothing else today from today's message, know this. The Lord was with Joseph. But I think it's likewise obvious that Joseph had to play his part. That is, he had to trust God and allow God to work through him and to use him. He chose to grow. He also chose to serve. Look at verse four. And Joseph found grace in his sight and he served him. And he served him. It just said in verse three, and his master saw the Lord was with him and that the Lord made all that he did to prosper in his hand. And Joseph found grace in his sight and he served him. That is, he, Joseph, served him Potiphar. He chose to serve. Joseph realized it was not about him. He was simply a slave. He was simply a servant. Joseph knew who his earthly boss was. Verse 8 says, but he refused and said unto his master's wife, behold, my master, what if not or knoweth not what is with me in the house? And he hath committed all that he hath to my hand. He knew who his earthly boss was. He knew who he answered to. But verse 9 showed who he really answered to. There's none greater in this house than I. Neither hath he kept back anything from me but thee, because thou art his wife. How then can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? While he, quote unquote, belonged to Potiphar. And and Potiphar was his boss, if you will. Joseph realized his true master was the Lord. The Lord God. Something interesting that came out as I studied this was the mention of Joseph's hand. Did you notice that as we read? Look at verse 3. It says, and his master saw that the Lord was with him and that the Lord made all that he did to prosper in his hand. Look at verse four. And Joseph found grace in his sight and he served him and he made him overseer over his house and all that he had, he put into his hand. Look at verse six. And he left all that he had in Joseph's hand. As I saw that, as I looked at that, I thought about Joseph's hand. I thought about Ecclesiastes 9.10. You know what that says? It says this. Whatsoever thy hand findeth to do, do it with thy might. For there is no work, nor device, nor knowledge, nor wisdom in the grave, whither thou goest. I think about Ephesians 6, 5 through 8. Servants, be obedient to them that are your masters according to the flesh. Not, with fear and trembling and singleness of heart. As unto Christ, not with eye service as men pleasers, but as the servants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart. With good will, doing service as to the Lord and not to men, knowing that whatsoever good thing any man doeth the same shall he receive of the Lord, whether he be bond, a slave or free. Colossians three twenty two through 24 says servants, slaves. Obey in all things your masters according to the flesh, not with eye service as men pleasers, but in singleness of heart, fearing God. And whatsoever ye do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not unto men, knowing that of the Lord ye shall receive the reward of the inheritance, for ye serve the Lord Christ. Joseph knew his place. He was a servant. He chose to serve. But I want to show you likewise, he chose To be a blessing. Look at verse three and five, three through five again. And his master saw that the Lord was with him 
And the Lord made all that he did to prosper in his hand. And Joseph found grace in his sight. He served him and he made him overseer over his house. And, and all that he had, he put into his hand. Watch this verse five. And it came to pass from the time that he made him, that is Joseph, overseer, manager in his house and over all that he had, that the Lord blessed. Watch this. The Egyptians house for Joseph's sake. Do you see that? And the blessing of the Lord was upon all that he had in the house and in the field. Do you see what that says? God blessed Potiphar's house because of Joseph. I think about how many places, how many businesses, how many schools, how many homes, how many other places have been blessed and are blessed today because of one faithful Christian. Now, granted, I know that this is a special blessing from the Lord because the Lord was with him. So how can I say today that Joseph chose to be a blessing? Well, I think it goes back to that very first choice I said Joseph made. Joseph chose to trust God. He chose to trust God. And as a result of Joseph being willing and pliable and to be a vessel for the Lord, the blessing of God flowed even to those who did not even know Joseph's God. And by the way, I really believe that Joseph was a blessing. I believe he was a delight to be around. I really believe that. I'd love to get to sit down and talk with him. And God willing, one day I will. You know, all people are a blessing to you. Did you ever think about that? All people are a blessing to you. Some people bless you when they show up. Some people bless you when they leave. But they all bless you. What about you? He chose to be a blessing. Notice, likewise, he chose to be faithful. Verses four and five again. And Joseph found grace in his sight and he served him and he made him watch this overseer over his house. And all that he had, all that Potiphar had, he put into Joseph's hand. And it came to pass from the time, watch this, that he made him overseer in his house. And over all that he had, that the Lord blessed the Egyptian's house for Joseph's sake. And the blessing of the Lord was upon all that he had in the house. And in the field, now watch verse six. And he left all that he had in Joseph's hand. And he knew not, that is Potiphar, knew not all he had. He didn't know what he had, save the bread which he did eat. Potiphar makes Joseph the comptroller, the manager of his household. Now, Joseph was a slave. Keep that in mind. But Joseph as a slave was so trustworthy so faithful that Potiphar turned everything over to him. Everything except for the very bread that Potiphar put into his mouth. Notice this, beloved. Joseph was a man of integrity. He was honest. He was upright. He was faithful. He chose the path of faithfulness and integrity. Yes, as a slave. Yes, as one who had been victimized in a horrible way. He chose the path of faithfulness. And I want to point out another choice he made. Are you ready? He chose, listen, he chose to be content. He chose to be content. In other words, here's what I mean. He chose to bloom where he was planted. He chose to bloom where he was planted. Yes, life had been unfair to him. It had been cruel to him. 
But he was not going to just resign himself and give up. He chose contentment with the Lord's help. He's going to serve the Lord where he was. Since he was a slave, he'd be the best slave Potiphar had ever seen and all of Egypt had ever seen. He didn't wish his life away. He didn't say, if I only had this, or if I was only there, if I could just make this, or if I got a regular job, if I could just be free. No, he says, I'm going to bloom. I'm going to blossom right here in Potiphar's house. Alistair Begg was right when he wrote, we can look around at the place where God has put us and say, despite the difficulties, I'm going to make the most of this for God's glory. We are free. We're free. When I can look around wherever God has placed me, say I'm going to make the most of this for God's glory. I'm free. Joseph was a slave, but he was free. What do you mean, preacher? You mean he could come and go? No, he's a slave, but he's free. He was not looking at his circumstances. He was looking to his God. He was not wishing his life away. He was living his life in that difficult place to the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ. Joseph lived out what Andrew Murray once wrote. I am here by God's appointment in his keeping under his training for his time. Did you hear that? I am here by God's appointment. In his keeping, under his training, for his time. Oh, to God, all of us would live that way, beloved. Now, Joseph could not change his present circumstances. He was a slave. He was property of Potiphar, but he redeemed them. He was a slave, but he was God's slave. Did you hear that? He was God's slave. A Puritan sat down to his meal And he found that all he had was a little bit of bread and some water. You know what his response was? He exclaimed, what all this and Jesus Christ too? All this and Jesus Christ too? Contentment is found with a correct perspective on life. John Kirsten wrote something about Joseph I wanted to share with you. Listen, this is one of the many things that impressed me about Joseph is that he didn't focus on what he lacked, but instead he threw himself into the task at hand. He says, one Arizona dad, watching the tears on the face of the boys who were too slow, too small, and too clumsy to make it on the roster of one of the five North Phoenix Little League teams, asked if he could start a sixth team and make it up of all these kids who were cut from the team. The officials looked at him and said, sure, If you'll coach them, pay for the uniforms. So the dad did. He bought the uniforms. He coached them. And he named the team the Phoenix Diamondbacks. Kirsten writes, last Friday, the Phoenix Diamondbacks won their last game by a score of 19 to 0. By the way, it was the league championship game. And he writes, some say I could have really been used if I'd made the team. Or I'll really be used as soon as my situation changes. Others, however, join Joseph in saying, so what if I'm a slave? It's a great opportunity to work hard for the glory of God and see what he 
will do. We've seen what Joseph didn't choose. We've seen what he did choose. But there's one more point we must make before we close. And that is this. What will you choose? What will you choose? And I'll be honest, I cannot answer that one, friend. You are the one that must fill in the rest of this morning's sermon. You know where you are today. You know what your circumstances are. You know what your challenges are. And the real question is, will you focus on them or will you focus on your God? While I cannot answer it for you, I do want to challenge you. And I want to encourage you and I want to exhort you to trust God and to bloom where you're planted. Trust God and bloom where you're planted. You say, preacher, you don't know about my circumstances. No, I probably don't. But God does. God knew about Joseph. His brothers. Glad to be rid of him. But God was there. The Lord was with him. Come to the place, beloved, where you can say these words and mean them with all your heart. I am here by God's appointment. In his keeping. Under his training. For his time. You see, friend, then, regardless, you're free. You're free. Like Joseph, you're free. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes real quickly? Before I close in prayer, we have an invitation. What about you, friend? You know your difficulties, the challenges you're facing. Will you focus and center upon them? Or will you focus upon God? Can you give those burdens to Him today? And not choose bitterness, hatred, Vengeance and all those things, but instead say, I'm going to choose to trust God, to be content, to serve, to grow, to love, to be conformed and made into the image of my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Are you free in those matters today? Heavenly Father, we love you. We praise you. We thank you. And we ask now, Lord, realizing you know every situation here today, that you'd work at this invitation. In Jesus' name, amen.